You're listening to That's Pretty Dark. The podcast where we talk about all of the entertainment that scared us as children and still haunts us as adults. So grab your flashlight and join us as we take a frightfully nostalgic look over our shoulders and under our beds and in our closets. And together we'll realize, whoa, that's pretty dark. I've never been good at time. I hate time. It moves too quickly. I could not agree more. I don't like it. It's kind of the worst. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. To welcome back to That's Pretty Dark. Show. Show. <laughs> oh, man. I've heard so many podcast hosts do that where they try to, like, you know, say the next word, finish each other's sentences. Oh, no. Stuff. God, it's awful. We'll never do that. I'm going to try not to. And I mean, to each his own. I don't mind it when other people do it, but I never want to no, hear myself I do it. I mean, no. That's all. Don't do it. I I hate when everyone <laughs> you does You probably it. hate when everyone does it. That's okay. S- stop it. To each his own. To each his own. We're back now. We're back. We're, that's Pretty Dark, a podcast about all the dark and frightfully nostalgic things. I'm Christian Mott. And I'm Kaylin Andrews. Hi, Kaylin. Hi, Christian. I have come prepared for these episodes as we were recording. I would like to announce to the world that I'm wearing a Hocus Pocus t-shirt. Perfect. Got a picture. Oh, great. Thanks, Mom. All right. So where this episode falls in the season, in 1992, it's episode four. Mm-hmm. But this was the pilot that was aired two times before that season ever, ever aired. So this came out in Canada and in the U.S., uh, on two separate years leading up to Are You Afraid of the Dark being an actual That's right. TV it, show. We kind of, it, it's kind of like a proof of concept. You know, it was so much before the rest of the series. It was just, this is this is doable. This is a show that people might like. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because the continuity is a bit messed up mm-hmm. because they didn't know it was going to be, uh, you know, episode four mm-hmm. when they made it. And so they had to kind of just sort of forget about continuity because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they introduced things in the first three episodes that don't make sense uh really leading up so but we'll, we'll get into that stuff i think it's so fun because as filmmakers as we keep saying we we write and make movies and so we, we love like to look stuff. at this stuff and i've grown up loving it my whole life so it's so fun goofs bloopers behind the scenes yeah we we make fun of yes. it because it's so easy to mess things up and it's really hard to get things right yeah that's just true for life we know how difficult it is so it it just fascinates us that this can happen and it can still be a successful and wonderful show and nobody's perfect <laughs> is the the moral yeah if we can go huh look at that they messed that up that's great i'm doing okay and they didn't mind but that's how it works. Yeah, they don't care. I don't care. Makes me feel good about myself. Me too. So anyway, let's get started. This is The Tale of the Twisted Claw. So excited. This episode, the pilot of Are You Afraid of the Dark, was written by Chloe Brown, and it was directed by the show creator, DJ McHale. Well, Chloe Brown is actually DJ McHale. I saw that. Jaw drop. So he wrote under a pen name, Chloe Brown. I saw that. DJ McHale as Chloe Brown. I went, huh, maybe that's a pseudonym, but I didn't look into it because I'm an idiot. From what I could find, yes, it's his pen name. Hmm. Good for him. So the show creator also wrote and directed this episode. Why do you think he did that? Oh, the pen name? Do we have a reason? I don't have a reason. I did mention it in some of my notes, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it was to diversify the cast or the crew, I, I mean. To be or... like written by a woman. I don't know if they were really doing that in the 90s as like a positive really like it might be today so i don't know maybe it was more palatable to think that it was written by a woman maybe yeah because he was already having to convince nickelodeon to like go this is fine we can do this it's it's make a scary it's to scare children but it's written by a woman maybe so maybe it was to make it softer maybe that's very possible maybe it softens the blow maybe even to parents dj if you're out there we'd love to talk to you please tell us all the reasons we'll we'll have a mom one day when we're you know famous and can, can afford him to make it happen. <laughs> so we need you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> and Anyway, sorry, derail. Chloe Brown, DJ McHale, same person. One and the same. So you want a summary? Hit me. Oh, summary. Tell yeah. me the summary. So two boys who play a trick on an old lady return to her house the following night on Halloween. So instead of treats, she gives them a trick of her own. Mm. It's a wooden vulture's claw. She says it grants wishes each of which have dire consequences. Driving home the age-old adage, be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. So this is famously based on the story, The Monkey's Paw, by W.W. Jacobs, which I read in preparation for this. I didn't. Um, I've read it before, back in college at some point. I won't do a deep, 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 deep dive on this, but- Four deeps. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of, it's been done a lot of times. 
there's this uh, talisman or magical object of some kind that you get and it grants you wishes, right? It's totally, it's mentioned. Aladdin. Exactly. I was going to say it's referenced in the monkey's paw. Uh, the Arabian Nights is mentioned as a reference. Nice. So that makes me happy. Because this was published in like 1902 in a collection of stories called the um, the Woman of the Barge or the Lady of the Barge or something like that. Uh, it's a collection of short stories by Jacobs. Basically, it's this you know dark and stormy night as it always goes, and there's this old like lieutenant in the army or something. He he comes to this house. It's a man and woman and his son, and he's basically there to have dinner with them catch up on old times, tell his old war stories, because this is all inspired by, you know, England's relationship with and complete rule over India mm. for hundreds of years. Oh. Uh, the East India Trading Company and everything. Gotta love it. Yeah. There's a lot of that that comes all this weird out of, cultural, yeah, like, out of England yeah. from kind of their racism and fear of the other. Mm-hmm. Anybody who isn't just white and speaks English. Yeah. And that's throughout, like, all literature. Even Dracula came from that fear of a man from a foreign country mm-hmm. coming and infiltrating yeah. the, you know, the, the white society and existing as one of their own. Racism is bad, kids. We don't like it. We're, we should also say we're from the American South. So, yeah. you know, we understand how, how bad white supremacy is. It's so bad. It is so bad and so prevalent and just depressing. So, yeah. Don't do it, kids. Say no to racism. <laughs> dare you to say no. Double dog dare you in the style of the 90s. Say no. So, yeah, this guy's coming from some big war, telling old war stories, drinking up just a ton of whiskey. I mean, he talked like he had like four or five hot whiskeys, and I was just like, damn. Putting it down. He basically says, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this uh, this monkey's paw. And he proceeds to tell him this story, how it was cursed or given magical powers, blessed, cursed, whatever. Take it however you want. Enchanted. It gives three different men three wishes, uh, which, of course, it, it said men. So I don't know if that's like. A woman can't do it. It, I don't know. it won't work for us. We are just yeah. the women folk. It's for men only. <laughs> Boys only. Gag. Anyway. Ew. It, it's the idea that you take it and you make a wish, but your wish has consequences. This has been done so many times and you never- It's like a fable, right? Like a- like a. Well, it's from like Arabian Nights. I mean, Aladdin yeah. getting three wishes and like, but the whole like, be careful what you wish for. I mean, I've heard that just my whole a theme. life. theme. Yeah, throughout. It's just a co- common theme. It's going to give you what you ask for. But depending on how you mm-hmm. phrase it. All these loopholes and. Yeah. And the whole point. Which, uh, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I think about those kinds of things all the time, probably from shows like this, like The yeah. Tale of the Twisted Claw, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Probably because of shows like that. I'm very careful with my words uh, mm-hmm. all the time. And in my wishes, in my head and the thoughts that I have, I never want to harm anyone or anything. <laughs> yeah. Karma. You'll be very careful. And so I'm very paranoid about saying things properly. The golden rule. But, yes. I was like, I found myself wondering, why would this guy enchant this thing? And um, they're called uh, fakir. They're um, like, like a holy man in India. Okay. Basically, they're, they live off of alms. Like a, a sage or like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they can like, you know, give you wisdom or whatever. I was like, I was thinking, why would he do this? And so the uh, the sergeant major says. He wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives and that those who interfered with it did so to their sorrow. Mm. Basically, you can't control anything. And it's always going to go the way, like a different way than the way that you want it to. Yeah, but my 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 question that I probably should just ask at the end of the episode, but how do you interfere with fate unless it's literally handed to you in the form of this cursed object, this item that says, here, this is your opportunity to tempt mm-hmm. fate. And change fate. Change something. But don't do it. It's just, basically, it was just like a temptation. It's just yeah. given to you as a choice, which there's also the illusion, it's like a, the Garden of Eden. That's Yeah. You have a choice here, but you only have the yeah. wrong choice. Yeah. Like, if you mm-hmm. act on this at all, it's wrong. And so I was, it's it's so interesting. It's like- Very interesting. How else would you be able to tempt fate? How, how would you, as a human person, how would you go, I think I'll just change fate today. I'll just mess things up. But how? Unless it was handed to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So anyway, that's very interesting. And it's very philosophical. And I don't know that there's an answer to that. But if anybody has an answer, hey. <laughs> or if you have any thoughts on that, send us an email. Tell us yeah. what you think about that, because I think that's really interesting. It's an interesting thing to theorize about, because yeah. it's whether you can affect change or not, basically. Absolutely. Can you affect change? And then at what cost? Because if, if mm-hmm. you affect, it's kind of, it's the, uh, it's like the back to the future principle. Of, exactly. You know, if you go back and you change something, it's never going to be what it is right now. Right, right. And by perception, 
those things are probably going to be bad because they might result in you not existing at all. <laughs> right. But even that's only possible because he literally was able to time travel. Right. It was given to him as yes, an option. an opportunity was presented. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I don't know what like a real life example would be. I'm interested to see what people think. So send us an email. Yeah. We'll read you're just a, your emails. You're just a victim to fate either way, basically, unless you yeah. have that, you know, option. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Cool. So. Thanks, Are You Afraid of the Dark, for being literary. Yeah, and- being literary. <laughs> anyway. So... When the episode begins, after the intro and everything, you open in the middle of a story being told. You see, usually Mm -hmm. you open with them arriving to the campsite with the campfire. Them being the Midnight Society. The Midnight Society, yes. But I will note, I mean, you may be about to say this, so I apologize if I'm taking it from you, but it opens in a story, but it isn't the story. It's not the story that's being told as the tale. You know, they still do the the moment with the fire and everything, but the Mm -hmm. story that we open on isn't... The story of the night, which is rare. It doesn't happen on this show. It doesn't. You can tell it's season one. They're figuring things out. They're figuring how do we convey this concept to children. And so what's interesting to me about this is on the official season one, episode one that you will cover next time, they do a full-fledged intro. They do. For the Midnight Society. Correct. But this one, they don't have that. So they had Mm -hmm. to quickly give these characters dialogue and present you with a lot of information to show you a lot. It's exposition without. through just the act of doing it. Honestly, yeah. it's done really well. Yeah, I like it. I'm pretty impressed. So you open with a story, and then it's this little jump scare of this kid who's lying in bed. And then he wakes up in the middle of the night, you hear the, little, the clock is ticking. We all had that memory from childhood where you're just like laying in bed and you're like, is something behind me? Mm-hmm. And then like the Grim Reaper or some ghoul or something comes out and scares him. Looks like a, de- a Dementor. <laughs> Looks like, like a Dementor, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it kind of, it reminds me of those like two sentence horror stories that were really popular online for a while yeah, there. Yeah, they're still happening. Just, yeah. yeah. It's like a the, whole like a Netflix yeah. series, I guess. Because it's, it's something, just a very short, sweet, like that would be incredibly terrifying. Like the, the familiar safe feeling isn't what you thought it was. So uh, weirdly enough, he's like not a story character. Doesn't matter who he is, but his name is Tony. I hope you're doing well. Tony out in your world. Hope the Dementor went away. Yeah, I hope you're fine, Tony. <laughs> he's played by a guy named Christian Maston, which is interesting because the gym teacher in this episode, his name is Gordon Maston. Oh. So I don't know if they're related. I couldn't find anything that said they were related or not. So if That'd be cool. Some other Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, info buff out there knows. But anyway, so he screams and then we transition to the Midnight Society. Kiki and Kristen both scream in sequence and it's just so 90s and so cheesy and I love it. And you find out that the story's being told by Eric, but he doesn't have an ending figured out. So they're giving him a hard time. They're like, what's the ending? Why? I don't know. I'll figure it out next week. So immediately, you know, next week, next time mm-hmm. they do this regularly. And then Gary's like, well, what about tonight? It's almost lights out and we still don't have a full story. We're jumping through all the characters. Mm-hmm. Kristen, she she criticizes Eric for calling a meeting without having a full story. So that's a weird that's a weird canon moment. It is, yeah, because he he called the meeting. He called the meeting. She says, "Don't call a meeting huh. without having a story." And so I didn't even think about that. They don't just meet every week to tell stories. They call a meeting when they have something to say, apparently, or maybe don't. But <laughs> I don't think that's ever introduced or addressed ever again. Mm-mm. I think they say this and they just forget it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so as we jump through these characters, this is establishing, this is just telling the audience, this is the first time anyone's ever seen this. And now we know immediately, this is a routine gathering of teenagers who get together to tell scary stories. And I'm on board. I was immediately hooked. On I'm into it. Board. This is where I want to be. If I could be at the fire, at the meeting, I would be. So I love that this, this like historical like context that we just we get telling stories around a campfire and i mean that's history it's just you know that's that's history for for generations of different cultures and like the oral history and the tradition of oral history Mm -hmm. is so like deeply ingrained in us as people yeah it it makes a lot of sense yeah it it just it resonates in a way that nothing else really ever will i think the scary stories just better acquainted us with the world that was around us which was terrifying so they turn to to david who says he's got a story and he's presented as this really shy kind of quiet kid. Yeah. And I, I, that doesn't really add up because one, like he had to get into the society by telling a story. That's part of the canon. You have to, if you, if you show up to be part of it, you're put to the test and you tell a story. You can't know where they are. You can't, it's a very secret society. Yeah. And you'll, you'll get into that too next time. I will. Yeah. But it's so interesting that Frank is the one that gives David a hard time. 
And David is the one that actually brought Frank. That's right. Isn't that weird? Yeah, in the tale of Phantom Cab. And not only like do they say that uh, David ha- uh, hasn't told a story in a long time, but in the order of events, because the continuity is messed up, the Lonely Ghost before this one in episode three, David tells that story. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> they go from David telling the story in episode three to being like, "You haven't told one in a long time." But <laughs> if you think about it. Well, not really. I mean, it could be that they haven't met in a while, but the the whole you haven't told one, it's like other people have. Unless we're not seeing every episode. Ooh. They, they might meet every week or regularly. <laughs> we only join them sometimes. We only see them sometimes for the highlights. Apparently, they do this more often than we get to see, which is awesome. They probably do. That's very interesting. I think these are fun, fun details. Yeah. That's a fun world to imagine. So we're establishing canon. We're beginning to understand what, what happens here. David agrees, you know, I've been planning this for a long time. I'm going to tell this story. So Gary's like, hey, you know, take it away. And so he hands him the bag of his magical midnight dust, which Mm -hmm. is. Which is non-dairy creamer. (laughs) Non-dairy creamer. It's insane. We learned that from the Orange Years documentary we keep mentioning. Fitting, too, because like, what would these kids have? Sure. What do you have access to? If Gary, as a kid, was like, I'm in a science class. I'm a science nerd. The chemistry teacher says, blah, 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 we're going to blow up Coffee Mate today. And he just goes, huh, I'm going to throw that in the fire. How cool that be? Yeah, he kept that. <laughs> like know? he retained it. That, I, that's canon. I believe it. Yeah, right. Then that makes sense. I just, in my mind, I was like, his mom would have Coffee Mate. We've had Coffee Mate in my house every day sure, for you like just, 30 you, you years. You get it out of the cabinet and you head to the woods. Uh, we didn't, we're not advocating for this, by the way. We, uh, you know, forest fires and all that stuff. Don't. Oh, if you live, yeah, if you live out, things. if there's a burn ban, don't, don't, don't want fires <laughs> for sure. Make sure it's safe. Just figure we might as well throw that disclaimer out there. Yeah. So David takes a handful of the midnight dust and throws it on the fire. And for the first time in the history of the world, kids all across the nation heard, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Ah. I call this story. Love it. And then he says, the tale of the twisted claw. So we see the words on the screen and then we go right into the episode. So it's partially narrated with voiceover and they kind of give a little bit like, oh, it was mischief night and these are the things that were happening. So it is, it's mischief night. There's a bunch of kids uh, rolling the yard and then we see our two main dudes, which, you know, should we call them heroes? Are they heroes or are they little punks? They're, they're protagonists in the story. They're protagonists, our lead protagonists. There are a lot of punky dudes. little kids mm-hmm. in this a bunch the of little show. Jerks. We've got Kevin, Played by Maxwell Medeiros. Medeiros? Medeiros. And then Dougie Freeman, played by Noah Plenner. Noah later reappeared in season two uh, in the tale of the magician's assistant. He played Todd Ooh. Marker. Love when they come back. Noah's brother, Benjamin Plenner. He appeared in Jake and the Leprechaun uh, as Jake Joyson. Wow. So two brothers got two leads. That's so fun. Um, he was also in a revival series episode, The Tale of Highway 13, as Justin. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of these characters overlap. Yeah, they do. Uh, It's really interesting. Uh, Actors play multiple characters or they're related to somebody who was on the show. So we're going to do a lot of that. Yes. Noah, what I thought was funny was he did a TV series called Gramps, uh, which is funny because he says Gramps in this episode. He does multiple times. Yeah, it's a lot. And I've never seriously used the word Gramps in my entire life, like ever. Me either. (laughs) So (laughs) it's so funny. That's what he called his Gramps. I had a pawpaw, so, you know. Mine were all dead, so I never really... (laughs) So, um, you know, as per usual in these in these kinds of shows, one of them is a little punk and one's more of the hesitant, kind of scared one. Um, Dougie is more hesitant, whereas Kevin is the arrogant, like rude one. He's like, don't be a wuss. There's always one of those. Always. There's always one of those. You see him at the gate. They're looking up at the big scary house and they, you know, you get that it's like the witch's house because he's like, what's the matter? You afraid the witch is going to get you? <laughs> he's not like a newsie. I don't know why I said it like that. But <laughs> I wish he was a newsie. Then Canadian. he could do like a backflip and smack about it. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Exactly. <laughs> um, Sounds great. So he's like, oh, there's no such thing. Talking about witches, you know, but now we know for a fact that witches do exist and man, mm. she's, she's going to get you. Mm-hmm. And this is like little old lady and her house is enormous. Because clearly the cost of living is so low in Canada. Oh, it's man. A, it's a fact. And I mean, you know. Basically, we just retire there. Housing like, market was totally different. And <laughs> they could buy the house probably with $10. So. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Lucky. That's my jaded millennial butt talking. Anyway, continue. <laughs> buy a house in Canada. <laughs> In the 90s. In the back, oh, if I could? I would so buy a house in Canada in the 90s. I mean, same. If course. I could retroactively. I'd, if I could buy a house in the 90s. Jeez, I'm doing everything wrong. I love the houses in the, in the 90s. They're so good. They're still standing. <laughs> 
A lot of them. I, I live in a house from the 80s, to be clear, but I didn't buy it in the 80s. Oh, my house is from the 50s. So we're doing, we're doing mm. something right. I think it's full of asbestos. So that's why I'm sick all the time. <laughs> um, so they sneak up and Miss Clove is already peeking out the window. She already knows they're there. Because if you step on a witch's yard, it's like it's like a monster house. It's like aware. It's hyper aware. It knows you're there. Mm. So she knows they're there. She's peeking out. She's Her name is Miss Clove. She's played by Ann Page, who, you probably know this, she's married to Aaron Tager, yes. who plays Dr. Vink. That's right. V -v -v. With a v -v -v. And also Zebo. So I love this detail because can you imagine how great that would be? That's the goal. That's the you dream. And your spouse, that is the dream. You're so weird together and you're so creepy and you just have the, such a fun, like, thespian's life that yeah. you are on this children's horror anthology. And you both have two like leading roles as like, like multiple times. As villains. As these creepy villains. And you get to just like cackle together. So good. Like, What do you think they do in their free time? Yeah, who knows what they, oh man, they have so much fun. Yeah, that's the dream. I want to be their friend. I mean, gosh, it's got to be great. <laughs> I'm sure their house was full of all kinds of paraphernalia. Just wow. like from spooky stuff they did. So we see we see Aaron Tager multiple times. Yes. I don't know about Anne Page. Me neither. So they sneak up and I don't know why you would even do this but yeah. he's gonna go like silly putty the front door it's shaving cream is it shaving cream okay i think it's shaving cream he's just gonna like cream the front door gotcha yeah, yeah, like, yeah i don't know he's gonna boo her i guess she opens it at the right exact moment and he just squirts her right in the face <laughs> so he just creams her <laughs> which i mean i felt kind of bad for her honestly she's oh, an old yeah. lady and... no she is not the villain here true but so she's you know she's got in the face She's stumbling around. She goes into her house, knocks her vase off of the stand, this vase, and it breaks, mm -hmm. shatters, right? I hate that sound. Glass breaking. So unsettling. Um, they kind of like stare in disbelief and then they, they run away and she comes out on the porch after them and just sort of like is looking at them. And she has this moment. It's super spooky. She takes her glasses off. The shaving cream's like jiggling on her face. She's like, she's trembling with this, this like anger. And then she composes herself and then she slowly smirks and it turns into like this grin and the grin becomes a giggle and then the giggle becomes a chortle and then the chortle becomes a guffaw. <laughs> what a what a progression <laughs> is this cackle. what a journey we took is maniacal like, maniacal cackle at the end and it's just so mm. spooky gotta love a good witch's laugh i always think of uh like i mean this is different granted this is her own brand of witch's laugh but there's the yeah, classic yeah. you know wizard of oz that mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah you're right, kind yeah. of laugh my dad does a great witch's laugh oh, can you get a recording from doing oh that? i should that'd be fantastic that'd be so, we'll, so we'll play it on the air yeah <laughs> That'd be so There's good. always a witch's laugh. So anyway, yeah, she has she brings her own take, but she she does a good job. It's super because it's it's understated. It's more it's more. I was gonna say it's unsettling. It's not it's that like realistic nasally like echoing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm a scary you know witch. It's more of a I'm a de deranged, disturbed person. It's more what you get from it. It's it's this the way that it grows. And that comes back later. Now that You're we've right. discussed a laugh for you know. A minute and a half. No, but no, still, no. But it, still, it's it's pretty unsettling. There's a lot to a laugh, and how you do it, and where it comes from mm -hmm. in your body. And and this one is not fun to hear. So now we cut to the next day. It's no longer mischief night. It's Halloween, the best night of the year. Ducky is home, and he's in this incredibly '90s like nostalgic house. I mean, the wallpaper is like blue and floral. The carpet on the stairs, like that salmon color carpet. Yes. I mean, it's like so many colors. It's so perfect. It's that design. Yeah, 90s design. Suburban perfection. I don't know. It's so crisp and clean. Mm -hmm. It's like mom just vacuumed. Mom cleaned the house today. That That is totally the feeling. Yeah. In a, in a lot of these episodes, when you're you know in the house with the families, it that's how it feels. Takes you back. I love that feeling. It takes you so back. yeah, you see uh, Dougie pretending to like choke to death or die. He tries to scare his dad, and he says this very important line: "Gramps used to at least pretend to be afraid or be scared, you know." And his dad's just like can't be bothered with the newspaper. He's just like, "Yeah, sure. Did you finish your dinner?" <laughs> it's honestly really funny. He really he really committed to it. Mr. Freeman is played by Paul Stewart. That's Dougie's dad. And he had a long career. I think he's still filming things. He played the school doctor in The Covenant from 2006 in that film. And then Linda Smith, the mother who pops out, Mrs. Freeman. She, she has a passing resemblance to the mom from uh, Halloween Town. Oh, yeah, she does. She totally does. But that's not, not the same lady, so. 
Disappointing. She plays Diane Tyler in one of the revival seasons, The Tale of the Stone Maiden. They used her again. They liked her. She played uh, Rachel's mother in the new Pet Cemetery that came out in 2019. Yes. So that's yes. very interesting. So you know, they're getting ready to go. Kevin's a bum. Dougie's, I don't even know what that mask is. It's like exaggerated, wrinkly, big old ears. I'm sure it's something, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah. So if anybody knows, let us know. Yeah. So as they're leaving, a group of kids shows up, you know, Kevin, uh, you know, says like, I heard that the candy's poison this year. And, you know, that's just like harkens back to every, all those every old fears year. from like Halloween. Yeah, we weren't allowed to eat anything until we like got home dumped everything out dump it all on out the, the floor. floor yeah yeah and then Big everybody pile. goes through it yeah because i mean at the time i don't know like i feel like there were news articles and different you know instances of needles and different just well horrific, a lot of that was horrible it's urban legend it, it didn't happen yeah i've listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff on this I, I meant to research and figure out the actual instance there's only yeah. one instance on record where any candy was tampered with that I, wow. that I remember learning about. And it was this guy who intentionally laced these pixie sticks to kill his own son. <gasps> I don't remember the exact <gasps> specifics, but- But it was his kid. It was his kid. It was an isolated event. It did happen, but it wasn't to harm other children. It was just to get wow. his, his child. It's so wild how like things spread. Really weird. But every kid that's our age, every single kid, I guarantee, probably remembers either thinking about that or having their candy checked by their parents or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything that was like, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to eat it anyway, probably, but anything that just didn't look right, anything that was kind of unwrapped. Always threw it out. They'd always, yeah, immediately always. throw it away. However- Having said that, there have been a few really crazy instances just this year in 2021 that are still being investigated, one of which has already been proven as a hoax. But we will cover all of those details and many others next October when we do a full breakdown of the history of Halloween, aka the ancient Celtic holiday Samhain, including the darker, truer, crimier side of this frightfully nostalgic pastime. So it's the end of Halloween night, and they're passing by Miss Clove's house. So, you know, Dougie wants to go home. Kevin's like, but we could be the only kids brave enough to go to the witch's house on Halloween. And here's where it gets really interesting. So she's super creepy about this. They they knock and she answers and she's like, yes. And she's so creepy. She really is. I mean, yeah. as if she doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, she's so confused. This is not a ritual she's accustomed to, which is to me, it, it's immediately like she's tricking you. Like this isn't safe. She knows. Mm -hmm. Clearly she knows what this is, you know? Well, yeah, she says she's like so glad someone finally came. Like she's been waiting on someone. Yeah. To come. Like, like it's she just, just been, seems like, so confused. So because it has never happened. Yeah. Yeah. She's like trying to like lure them inside. I guess because she's like, yeah, come in, come in. They're like, um, okay. So they go in, and she's like, you know what? Because you boys came, I'm gonna give you a special treat. And it's like so spooky. It's so <laughs> dark. I don't want whatever you're. I don't selling. want your special treat, old lady. <laughs> like, get out of here. Like, what is it? She keeps saying the word "special." You're special, little boys. I'm gonna give you a special treat. It's I hate the Yuck. special. Yeah. Ugh. And she like disappears into this other room. And you're like, what is it? And then Dougie acknowledges, well, the vase is still broken. She didn't clean it up. It's still on the floor. Mm -hmm. While she's in the other room, I just imagined like <laughs> she's like. Got this special treat coming. And she's in the other room and they're standing there. And I just imagine, oh, boys, are you ready for your special treat? And they just like go around the corner and she's like sucking on a lemon oh, for no reason. I did not and go she, there. She's like, ew. Can you boys ever play lemon mouth? Gross. <laughs> just like, That's the worst. So that, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. But it doesn't. That's not canon. That is Christian's imagination. I'm going to go there every time. Sorry. Um, that doesn't happen. What happens is she brings, she comes back around, she has this box and she, she goes to open it and it, it plays music. It's not a music box, but no. music comes from the box. It's really weird. And, uh, inside of it is this wooden vulture's claw. You know, she's like, it's not, it's not real. I don't know why it wasn't just a real claw. Honestly, I don't know why it wasn't yeah, it like been, a petrified right? mummified claw, unless they thought that was too grotesque for children's I don't know. horror. I mean, I've. I got like an owl's talon. Maybe they, I don't know, animal cruelty. They're just like, no, Maybe. it's not a real, it's not a real animal. They had to just like say it. No owls were harmed in the making. <laughs> it's a special treat for two special boys. And she tells them, the, you know, the classic thing, it grants wishes. Um, you'll get three each. But, you know, she gives them that same warning, but be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Mm -hmm. So spooky. 
Well, she does that and then she just stares after them with this blank look. Like she's she goes somewhere else. It's I, ugh. Yeah, her she goes totally deadpan. Her face just like drops and she just stares at them. It's so creepy. Yeah, it's like she loses effort, like all emotion, all like like she's not in control of her faculties. All of her effort went into luring the children in and now she's used up all of her energy like now mm-hmm. she's totally like expelled all of it mm. and she's done she's done her job and she can re- she can rest there's just something so eerie about a female uh like villain because you're conditioned to trust more so or they're supposed to be nurturing exactly yeah that's what kind of what i was thinking is like you're always told as a kid if you get lost or something happens find a woman find, well i always heard my mom always would say like find a mom you know find another woman with kids yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it was like to be lured in like a witch from like hansel and gretel or like the other mother from Coraline. Mm-hmm. it's like you're their prey like you're their yeah. you're their goal and you're special little boys and get a special treat and yeah and then she just like shuts down it's a combination of that nurturing energy mm-hmm. but it's very malicious it's very malicious yeah so spooky so they don't want the claw they're trying to not take it right but she's like yeah. insisting she's like please no take it it's yours so i think i think they take it just so they can leave just to like get out of mm-hmm. there yeah they go they're talking about how strange she was and dougie makes the first wish by accident he's holding it he says i wish we could just lose trick-or-treating and get out of here and go home yeah or i mean but what kid doesn't want to trick-or-treat like, i know it's so weird. i had a time with that i was like dude this isn't realistic. All kids I mean, want. It. I mean, I'm sure there. Unless kids. you just got super scared and you're like, or, or you're really tired. I mean, I've definitely we we had some great times trick or treating. But my my dad and our neighbor Miss Brenda, um, our neighbor's mom, they were like, we're gonna hit every house mm-hmm. and we would be dragging by the end of it. Like we would be. Can we go home? That was our goal <laughs> to hit every house in the neighborhood. And yeah. then by the time we made it to like the first street, we were like, we'll oh, just go home. It's yeah, my mom and, and her dad would then like come in their car and like trade out our bags. Oh, We'd yeah. like dump out our candy, <laughs> <laughs> unload, and then keep going. Oh man, we had a time. We had good Halloweens. So they leave, and out of nowhere, this like group of punks comes and like tries to take their candy. <laughs> I just thought of like the hyenas in Lion King, especially mm-hmm. in Lion King Two. Um, there's that song where it's like chow down and it's, or it may be the Broadway actually. So I'm really going off, but like. I saw the Broadway, but I don't think I saw it. Second. The hyenas have this song called chow down and there's this electric guitar just this, like pierces through everything and you nice. know something's going to go down and you're in trouble. Yeah. So it, that's what it reminded me of. Nice. Chow down. <laughs> About to <laughs> so eat you or something. Yeah. So they, yeah, they, they come, they get their candy stolen. They make a run for it. They get away. These kids chase them on their bikes. They just go, okay, we're done. Let's go home. That was too weird. So they're kind of like going, huh, maybe that worked. I don't know. Coincidence? Maybe not. Mm. Now it's the next day. They're standing in the hallway. They're talking about the claw. And Kevin, (laughs) he's like, I'm going to get the thing I've wanted since I was a kid. He looks over at Bostic. This like like handsome kid, like against the locker with his like cool clothes on, talking Uh to the girls. I mean, who wouldn't want Bostic? He's pretty cool. He's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. So... (laughs) So Bostic is there. He's all like super chill with the ladies. He's got his pearly whites and his flowing blonde hair. He's played by Jason Tremblay. He is. Who is this like athletic kid, super cool. And he also came back in the first episode to play uh, Denny Crocker in the Correct. Two Phantom Cab. Pretty cool that he got to be in the pilot. Yeah. And episode one. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. So he's a chill dude. I saw his name at Tremblay and I was immediately like, is that? It couldn't be. It is, in fact, the father of Jacob Tremblay, mm. who um, most people would probably know from the film Wonder that came out in 2017. He was the main yeah. character in that. But the funnest fact for you and I uh-huh. is that up. he actually played Cody in Before I Wake mm-hmm. and Bradley Trevor in Doctor Sleep. Yep, Both directed is. by our favorite director and horror figure of all time, Mike Flanagan. He's a horrifying man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a horrifying man with yes. a horrifying job. No, he does a fantastic job, uh, creator and director of Haunting of Hill House and then Haunting of Bly Manor. And, and we, most recently, and, Midnight Mass. And many, many horror films that are really great. Yes. And we love him very much. Love Mike Flanagan. Love his style. Very cool it's all fantastic. around. But 
I just loved that he's actually the father of Jacob Tremblay that's in two Mike Flanagan films. But I thought it was cool because it's like his DNA, you know, like <laughs> it's his he, spawn. Yeah, like his spawn are actors and his daughters are both also cool. actors. It is very cool. Um, his daughters are actresses that have been in Wayward Pines, Twilight Zone and Supernatural, like wow. a reboot of Twilight Zone, I should say. So they've all done this kind of creepy stuff. That's super dope. And Jacob Tremblay is also the voice of Luca in the Pixar film, Luca. No way. Yeah. That is so so cool. So, I did not know that. That's a big, yeah. he's now on the map. He's officially, Oh man, he's made it. He's, doing he's made stuff. it. He made it. All, well, he made know. it when he was in Room too. And I mean, Mike Flanagan is an incredible director and, you know, we, we are so like enamored with the way that he directs kids and the performances that he's able to get from kids. Yeah. So I thought it was super cool that that's the child of, it's a legacy thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Jason Tremblay. Shout out to him. Good job. But it's pretty funny because you do you see him as Bostic, and in episode one, he's clearly older. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so when he much plays older. Denny. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. obviously, yeah. it would have probably been a couple of years or at least a year between. So he looks different enough too, and he he plays such a different dude. You wouldn't immediately think. Yeah. So fun, fun facts. At least Bostic was nice. Bostic was nice. Bostic wished Kevin good luck. He did. All right, so we're at this track meet. He wishes that he could beat. Bostic in the 600 race because he's so sick of Bostic being a better athlete. He wants to be the winner. Tensions are high. It's gym class. Yeah, Bostic's (laughs) running around giving other kids high fives. Super weird. I would give anything to be in that class or at that meet. Just the fluffy green grass. It's autumn time at school. I don't know. Just throw on there like medium length white (laughs) t-shirts. The, uh, the gym teacher is played by Gordon Maston, as we said before. He uh, came back later in the tale of the gruesome gourmets as Mr. Collins. He's just screaming into like a megaphone type thing. They run this race, they have this race, and what happens is, out of nowhere, on the last leg, a black dog. Beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. Gorgeous. But he trips Bostic. Bostic breaks his leg. I mean, it's like, it's like really brutal. <laughs> yeah, violent. He breaks his leg. Kevin leaps over him triumphantly, and he wins the race, right? And of course, Dougie sees the whole thing. Dougie's like, you didn't win, you jerk. A dog tripped him. And then they're like, what dog? There's no dog. I don't know if anybody else felt this way when they were watching it. And I I don't know if it was just this rewatch or if I would have thought this way as a child. But I had this moment where I was like, does the dog attack him? Because <laughs> the way that he just comes out of nowhere, I was like, yikes. That's- yeah, if he just like torn into his calf and just like ripped him open, that would have been, been nice. That's like the uh, when we do like a reboot one day of Are You Afraid of the Dark and it's just all like yeah, the dogs super rated R versions. Wow. What a cool. concept. It'd be fun. I would do it. Now, after that happens, we get some exposition from the Midnight Society. So there's always a point in the episode where we cut back to the Midnight Society and they sort of weigh in. They give their perspective, their opinion. They make guesses on what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of where they kind of help the audience in case you're a young child or you're not quite getting it. (laughs) They're all like, They they help you along a little bit. So they made one wish each and it came true and it's like oh yeah no shit <laughs> i also thought it was funny that gary was like uh he was like it's something evil happened each time to make the yeah. wish come true <laughs> and then he said cool yeah he's like cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know yeah. yeah i would hang out with gary gary's cool me guy. too oh man anytime i'm not cool. we're not cool enough for gary though i'm not cool nah. or russell or russell no way dude he's a meteorologist <laughs> Okay, so now we're back in the story. This this classic, like, uh, I guess like a Friday night or something, you know, Dougie's parents are out to eat. Kevin comes over. They're just chilling, but they're not having a good time because they're arguing. They're bickering. <laughs> they're like, but, you know, we got the claw and the bad things happen and all the stuff and it's your fault because Kevin's got his gold medal. He's all super stoked that he won the race yeah. and he's a real punk. And Dougie's the only one that has any yeah, common sense. Yeah, the moral of the thing. Yeah. He's like, you didn't really win that. It's not real. They're talking about it and they get in this big argument where... Dougie is like fixated on telling his parents. I don't know. He says, my folks, my folks, my folks. I get it though. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I understand. You didn't want I your parents to find out. Like, dude, <laughs> but if, if bad things happened or if like I knew I did something wrong, the immediate like dilemma in my brain was like, I have to, I have to tell. I have to tell. Like I wasn't like a tattletale necessarily on other people, but for myself, my, my, I was always convicted to just be like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if it if you saw the uh, opportunity to get out of trouble by sort of like getting ahead of the situation, like hey, yeah. So by the way, I was I was good about being upfront, which is really just you know religious guilt. Oh yeah, well our and upbringing all, all and, yeah. that stuff in in our upbringing in our brains, but church drama for these kids. He was just very he was a good kid. Yeah, he wanted to be honest, and he probably wanted you know there's some there's some degree of like we've lost control. We need an adult to help us. Yeah. Fix this. 
which I also understand. Yeah, you kind of realize, like, we're just kids. I'm just a kid. I don't know how to handle this. And I mean, probably on purpose for the audience, you know, for for this is the first ever mm-hmm. episode they've mm-hmm. done of this. They're probably like, yeah, we want to encourage the kids to reach out to an adult. Go to your parents help. with a problem. Yeah, you should <laughs> If you help. ever are given a twisted claw that's magical, <laughs> go to your parents. <laughs> tell go them. Go find an adult. <laughs> like, that's subliminal. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty smart, honestly. Yeah. So, it's a big argument. He says, my folks, my folks. And Kevin takes it and says, man, I wish you'd lose your folks. <sighs> Wrong words, Kevin. I hated that. Poor choice of words. Gosh, I hated it so much. And they're like, oh, shoot. You wished I'd lose my parents. Mm. And immediately the phone rings. And it's like a lieutenant. He tells him, you know, your parents have been in a really bad car wreck and they're not okay and like all this stuff. And so he slams the phone down. He rips it out of the Uh, wall. So dramatic. I mean, but like, damn, it's a very, (laughs) that's heavy. (laughs) It's very heavy. So I think that- No wonder I was messed up as a child. Like that was my biggest fear. So we both had that anxiety about like our parents being gone or like not being able to get in touch with our parents. I know we've discussed this. Particularly in a car accident. Yes, mine too. Yeah, we both had very much- that was my that distinct fear. fear. I had that. Is it because of the show? <laughs> well, I'm th- like watching it again. I'm like, this is sparking something inside of me. Because if I was, mm-hmm. if I went to a friend's house and I knew my parents were out driving around doing stuff, I was so afraid they were going to get in a car wreck and die. Same. And then if I was home, even with my sisters or whatever, and I knew my parents were gone to do something, so afraid they were going to get in a car wreck Same. and die. I don't know why. Same exact fear. Yeah. So I wonder if it didn't come from just like watching this and that sticking yeah. in our in our psyche of being like, your parents can go out to eat and die. And they can. Just because you go do something <laughs> safe doesn't mean they're going to be safe. Yes. And that stuck for me big time. This show, but I think a lot of others, like a lot of the things that we're going to cover on this podcast in general, yeah. parents are usually not safe. And yeah. in all the Disney movies, they don't start until the parents die. And like- Well, that, that's the hero's journey. It is. Yeah. But it's ingrained in so much 80s and 90s culture too to a degree i really don't feel like it is today and that shaped my thinking oh yeah there was like your parents dying quicksand you know like tnt bombs and stuff like that there are these things that are represented in children's like entertainment and it was oftentimes losing your parents like conceivably that's the scariest thing and i think for children's horror that's the easiest place to go really yeah you, you lose your entire safety net everything you know about reality yeah yeah it's super spooky so yeah i don't know if it's if it's really represented a lot today but it was rampant in the 90s. Yeah. It was like a bitter dose of reality. Gosh. Super dark. That's pretty dark. That's, hey, hey, that. <laughs> We're not going to say it that often. Dark. Losing your parents like that. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big deal. It really is. So, Dougie doesn't know what to do. He's freaking out. He knows his parents are gone. He's like, what do I do? What's the only other adult? It's his grandfather, his gramps. Mm-hmm. He's already mentioned his gramps. He misses his grandfather. And without thinking, he just says, man, I wish gramps was here. He'd know what to do. Kevin's like, Dougie. Grandfather's dead. Dun dun. dun. It's this big moment, right? <laughs> so he runs to the window and they look out, and there's this like super dope Cadillac coming down the streets, rolling yeah. down. That shot is so iconic. Real slow, oh, real slow. It's so it's so scary. And so you have this like kind of race between the boys to make another wish. They each have one more wish, right? Mm-hmm. What's the right wish to make? Because now they know that dead grandpa is pulling up. He's about to come to the front door. There's like a slow honk. Yeah, yeah. You hear the like Ugh. the knock on the front door once he gets there. And Kevin's like, I got one more wish and I'm not going to meet a ghost. Like he's just like, you don't know what he's going to look like, dude. Like he could be like a skeleton. He could be rotten. He could be- Which is so gross. And I like- Yeah, it's so As much. a kid, I feel like that wouldn't have occurred to me. But then in that moment, it does. And it's like, ew, like there could be a rotting corpse at your door. You could easily say, yeah, this is just grandpa. But Kevin's like, nah, dude. He's been dead, man. Like he's yeah. been in the ground. You don't know what you're going to get. Did he just climb out of his grave? Right. Find a car and drive here? Ugh. Come on. This is really the only part of the monkey's paw that's like a direct adaptation from that story. Yeah. Everything else is sort of twisted and different other than the, the three wishes. But what happens is, you know, the de- the father wishes for like some money. And how they get it is his son goes to work the next day dies uh, at the factory or dies in a piece of machinery, gets caught. Uh Uh, It's very brutal. And the company wishes to give them the money that he asked for, the exact specific amount for his son dying. And so they end up going, that's it. All we have to do is wish for him to come back. They do it. And then there's the slow approach of the son, whatever version of the son it is coming back to the house and knocking on the door. And the whole time, the father, because he dropped the claw, or the uh, the monkey's paw, he's trying to find it so he can make a third wish to 
basically make it all go away. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same climax. Yeah, the same rise yeah. in action, the same climax of like, there's a dead person, and you don't know what it's going to be. And so you have to make it go away before it can get in the house. Um, which is a really big fear of mine. I have that same like nightmare of something trying to get in my house like all the time. Me too. Which I think is just social anxiety. We've talked about that. It's it's Mm -hmm. classic horror. I mean, it's perfect. Honestly, it's super dark that they actually did that exact same thing. There's going to be a corpse. That's pretty dark. (laughs) A corpse trying to get into the house and you have to make the exact right wish that won't have horrible consequences to what you say. And I kind of love that like language and wordplay and linguistics, like that is the answer. Oh yeah, that's the answer. Exactly. It's how you phrase what you're asking for. So it's also about be intentional. Be careful. Yeah. Your words have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Man. Anyway, they fight. They're on the floor. They're wrestling. And finally, Dougie gets it. And he's like, dude, the vase broke. It's all about the vase. He apologizes for it and says, I wish it never happened. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, uh, I want to make the wish that I should have wished all along. Yeah. Or the, wish, the first wish I should have made or whatever. He's like, man, is- we should have immediately, if we had the wish, we should have not been selfish and thought of, another person. Mm -hmm. We should have wished that we hadn't harmed her in the first place. Yeah. So he does that. The knocking kind of continues and he goes to open it and it's his parents, right? They're alive. They forgot their keys. Kevin's like hiding under the furniture and the dad walks in and he's just like, oh, hey, Kev. (laughs) (laughs) And then they sort of do this sort of like wrapping up of of events, you know, this happened and if that didn't happen, then parents didn't get in the car wreck and I didn't smash the phone. And honestly- when when he was going through that list, yeah, all I could think was it, like it finally just occurred to me that his shirt that he's wearing is like four sizes too big, as was oh, tradition yeah, in the nineties, I guess, as was style. But it was just so funny. He's this little child in like this massive, massive <laughs> shirt. <laughs> Wonder if that was intentional to make him look smaller than he actually was. Maybe, maybe like more of more more innocent, more vulnerable perhaps i wonder but it was also the but thing, i mean i think the, Ke- the kevin still had some pretty baggy clothes on too i don't know yeah everything is is taken care of everything's back to normal except there's one more knock or like i think the, the doorbell rings this time i don't remember and they go open the door and there's the there's the vase unbroken which i don't know why she gave it to them but she did I, I literally i was like what are these kids gonna do with that vase except for break it like that is the only <laughs> just, possible outcome of giving two young oh boys a beautiful like <laughs> ornate gonna break it. vase like huge it's huge it's like you know it's enormous two, it comes three up to their tall. bellies yeah yeah and so i don't know but sitting on top of the vase is this letter that says trick-or-treat and so it's a nice little halloween ending it's a little Aww. it's a halloween special little moment mm-hmm. that it's like sweet and I get it, um, but I, I would have loved a different ending. But it's still it's still fine because it's still it's just yeah like, it's, it's it it wraps it up. You put a bow on it. Trick or treat. And and you know it's that special where it's like if this this series doesn't go, this was a fun little Halloween. Yeah, thing. it ended the whole. Yeah, it's like cool. Yeah. these kids live in eternity out there telling stories, and this is just one just one of them. Yeah, we we pop back out to the the Midnight Society, and so they're all thoroughly spooked. And they're all just like looking around like, ooh. They're like, okay, yeah, that was a good one. And then, you know, as per usual, Gary, he declares the meeting closed. And he says, you know, until next time, pleasant dreams, everyone. Oh. It's just so good. <laughs> oh, it, it feels good in my heart. That's the tale of the Twisted Claw. Thanks, the tale of the Twisted Claw. I loved it. I like that that was the first one that they let off with. and it's It's classic horror. I mean, they could have done a number of different things. But I think the monkey's paw was good because it's it's relatable for children. There's a moral to it. It was easily adaptable, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was done so and well. And it's easy to catch on. You know, you're, you're quickly yeah. picking up on it. You understand it, even if you are a young young kid. I think that was an easy sell to the, the network and it would have been an easy yes. sell to the parents too. Of like, yep. yeah, this is all about uh, cause and effect, actions and consequences. And we're going to teach kids not to be selfish jerks. <laughs> So how would you rate this? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's something that we want to do is kind of talk about how scary we think it is. Maybe scale of one to 10. I personally, I mean, there were scary elements and definitely the car accident really jacks it up for me. Mm -hmm. So I'd say maybe like a four or five. Yeah. Something in that vein, mostly because of the car accident. Mm -hmm. The magical element too. Like, I don't know. I could maybe go as high as six because it's like that there's always that witch character yeah. kind of around the corner. We all know that spooky house. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My rating system is going to be all over the place, but I kind of go too. by like whether it's likely to happen to me. <laughs> like that's kind of how, <laughs> yeah, how, how, how I place it. This? Yeah. Like the realism really does a lot for me in terms of how scary it is. And mm-hmm. But that the car accident, granted, I don't think that that's ever going to happen to me with the, the wishes and the claw, but right. that outcome is pretty 
dark. <laughs> yeah. How, how would you rate this episode? I was going to say about, about a six. Yeah. Because the car wreck, I feel like, had a significant impact on my view of the world. Mm -hmm. How I perceive, like, the possibility of really horrible things happening yes. all the time. Which is, like, all I think about Same. is just worst case scenarios. You're right. I mean, yeah. I should probably rate it higher. <laughs> it's, it's the bad. episode itself isn't super scary. I love the ominous approach of the corpse at the end. Yes. Or, or ghost or whatever he is. That gets me. That kind of stuff is always is always spooky. That's the kind of stuff. That's the horror I love. Yeah, I was just about to say. What's it, behind the closed door? You know, what's out there? Yes. It does the thing that we love, which they don't show us the monster. Yes. In that instance. Yes. And you and I talk about this a lot, but it's that idea in horror and in general, like when you're doing anything suspenseful or scary, you don't show the monster. And once you show it, you lose kind of your, your edge. Mm -hmm. As a yeah. filmmaker, yeah. thinking in those terms, I, I personally just really like it when they can hold out that suspense. Mm -hmm. As long as um, you can. And they never show The fear it. of the unknown is very powerful. Oh, yeah. So uh, while the episode itself was, wasn't super scary, I would say that there were um, thematic elements that were that were frightening. Yep. Things that you can think about later yes. or that are more existential in nature. Yes. Or just sometimes when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you think, did I just hear a footstep? Yeah. What was that? Because of those moments, I'd give it like a solid six, I'd say. it's Yeah. There are much scarier episodes of the show. They're definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. And it's a great introduction. Great introduction because it's scary, but it's palatable. And parents aren't going to immediately shut it down. Yep. They're going to go, huh, that was interesting. It had a moral. It had a nice ending. There's a little trick-or-treat. She wasn't evil. She wasn't malicious. She just wanted to teach them a lesson for being little mm -hmm. punks, for being mischief, you know, mischievous. Wow. So I, I like it. It was, yeah. it was good. It was good. Good time. Very good times. So we want to hear what you guys think of that episode. Do you think it was scary? Or were you also terrified of your parents getting into a car accident every time they left the house? <laughs> yeah, what's or your Or were memory? late to pick you up from school? Or oh, uh, they dropped you off to stay with a friend and you couldn't do anything at all ever when you were mm -hmm. a kid? Because that was my experience. Same. Um, but we'd, we'd love to hear what you think. Um, our email is that's pretty dark podcast uh, at gmail.com yep. and then we're on social media as well uh that's pretty dark on facebook that's pretty dark podcast i think is the handle there and on instagram and just that's pretty dark on tiktok and we hope to get you know some fun content up there you know to kind of point back to what we're doing and why we're doing it and all the scary spooky things that we love mm -hmm. thanks for clicking keep clicking subscribe rate and review press our buttons click our clackities and uh go cackle in the night like a, like you're a witch <laughs> <laughs> Go guffaw. That's your homework. Oh my god, okay. Alright. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to That's Pretty Dark, written and produced by Christian Baxter Mott and Kaylin Andrews. Our music is composed by Jonathan Simmons, and our art is provided by Paige Garland at Power Girl Illustration. Join the collective nostalgia and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That's Pretty Dark Podcast. Share your experiences and let us know what shows, films, or villains still haunt you from childhood at That's Pretty Dark Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, you're never really alone. So until next time, sweet dreams, everyone.